the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing. A few years ago, we only had one streaming service, and we called it Netflix. And we slowly but surely watched Netflix crush ABC, NBC, CBS, and Fox as far as the fascination of the battle of eyeballs of people 18 to 35. CBS has always been known as the Tiffany Network. Not always, but their cutting-edgeness goes as far as 60 minutes. And they have an older demographic. Thus, even though you had the most eyeballs, you had the least valuable eyeballs because old people tend to spend money way less, how shall we say, loosely than younger people. So 2020 is starting the year off – 2021, excuse me. 2020 taught us a lot of stuff and we'll talk about that. But 2021 is starting the year off with another streaming service. How many do we ultimately need? We got Peacock Plus, which is kind of NBC Universal. Which, again, if you like binge-watching shows like Friends, maybe that's your thing. Then you get Netflix, which is original content plus licensed content. Okay, okay. I've watched um, way more Netflix in 2020 than I expected. It's a very robust service, but it's also the most expensive one, right? You get HBO Max, great platform, good-looking menu. It seems like they probably did a good thing being six, seven months behind Disney Plus. Disney Plus being three, five, seven years behind Netflix. Does Netflix have an inherent advantage? Not necessarily. Um, Apple TV Plus doesn't seem all that robust, so that seems to be on the line of Discovery Plus. So maybe Apple goes after them, trying to grow their service a little more robust. I'll tell you what, Disney a couple years ago when they bought Fox uh, Movie Theater, or the not the movie theater, but the movie assets and the television assets, and not the television stations. That was a stroke of genius. Good for Disney seeing what Netflix was showing them, but not letting the competition realize that they were on to it. So we get another streaming service. Today is Three Kings Day. No, Wednesday is Three Kings Day, which again shows me how much I don't know. I am not Latino, but Three Kings Day is when businesses are closed for a second Christmas. I'm like, what? I don't even think I've heard of this. It's known to Latinos as a second Christmas. It's the day in theory the Three Kings visited baby Jesus at the nativity. Does that sound right? Some people are now trying to turn this into a business, another day of shopping. I strangely like the idea if we could – support latino businesses like that seems like a great idea you know how cinco de mayo is kind of a made-up holiday in theory we're helping the mexican economy by drinking lots of tequila 
a holiday that's not even celebrated in Mexico. I love Americans, by the way. We are willing to bastardize and make your traditions our own in our own cute little ways. But the U.S. Hispanic population is 60.6 million strong. So you could, you can't argue with me that we can turn this into a holiday and do something good with it. As far as, you know, demographic numbers go, oh, it's a home run. So that's out there. I know you're saying interesting times. Taking a look at 2020 and what can we learn from last year into this year. We started off the year with record highs. S&P 500 and the Dow both hit them Eh, start of business today, both have pulled off. The question mark is, is this the beginning of the end? Probably not. But it's a big question mark. When setting your financial goals for 2021, consider lessons from the pandemic. Uh, Something I've learned over the pandemic is that I've saved a lot on vacations. I've saved a lot in restaurants, but I've upped my cost of electronics for in-home and I've upped my spending on food in-home. Budgeting was a big thing that we all went through in 2020 as we saw, huh, what's it like not to have a job for a few weeks? What's it like to not have a job for a few months? What's it like to have not have a job for the whole year? We now look at Amazon, UPS, and FedEx as like uh, essential services which is fascinating, but I'm with it. I'm not one to really fight power. I'm one to kind of like go with flow and help us all get to where we need to get. Um, Take a look at 2020 and what you did and use it as roadmap for 2021 is what my approach to my talking about budgets is all about. 2020 might have been a year where you lost a job and you learned what Cobra was. Not Cobra Kai, the big hit show on Netflix. But you'll learn what Cobra is and how expensive it is as far as insurance that replaces your insurance if you lose a job until you get a job. What was interesting about 2020 was accidents went down. Uh, my car insurance company contacted me and said, you know, since you're probably not driving very much, we're probably going – not we're probably – we're going to lower your bill because there's going to be fewer accidents. So hopefully you've learned a little about your insurance needs and how insurance is there just in case you need it. Whether it be a property claim, an auto accident claim, a healthcare claim. You don't want to overuse your insurance, but then again, you don't want to underuse it. You're kind of learning it's there in worst case scenarios. Insurance isn't meant to be like free everything. It's not. If you're going that direction, you're probably doing something wrong. 2020 is a year where I grew my subscriptions and I'm a little bit embarrassed by it. I had Netflix. I've added Time Warner Plus. What else do I have kind of thing? HBO Max. It it starts to add up. And I'm going to have to get serious with myself when opportunity to go into more social areas opens itself back up. I need to be very in tune with that mo- that opportunity because I've got way too many subscriptions. Then again, hey, if I'm not going to Hawaii, if I'm not going to Mexico, if I'm not going to Paris, France, 
instead of Paris, Texas. Um, I am saving money there, but I'm diverting it into other forms of entertainment. I will say this, like since HBO Max said they're going to launch 15 plus theater grade movies into HBO Max in 2021, it became a no brainer for me. Just to see Wonder Woman 1984, that covered, let's see if I take my family of four. I covered six months of the service, and I don't really like movie theaters kind of thing. I'm not like, oh, you must see things on the big screen. I'm not that guy. Anyway, um, 2020 should be a – 2021, we should look back at how many subscriptions we got in 2020. We should look at our emergency plans. We should look at our insurance coverage. We should look at can we invest in a worst-case scenario, which is losing your job. 2020 had some great lessons for us. Are we going to learn from them? It's a big question. I'm not that worried about the day-to-day ups and downs on Wall Street. We look poised for a good first six months. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Let's rip through some headlines and see if we can't figure anything out from them. Chipotle launched cauliflower rice nationwide as consumers are cutting greens from their diets. This talks to the millennial in me, even though I'm not a millennial, but I have to have various characters inside of me to understand where investment dollars go. The Chipotle Mexican Grill began offering a cauliflower rice option to attract consumers trying to comply with New Year's resolutions. It's made with cauliflower, cilantro, lime, salt, blah, blah, blah. To me, that's a millennial play. Chipotle was up 65% in 2020. It had strong digital growth on the app, surging same-store sales despite the pandemic, and they really handled delivery of food well. Um, They've tried to appear conscientious to people who are on fad diets or diet of the week or strict diets or whether it's keto or Whole30, vegetarian, vegan. So they're doing it well, and I'm giving them credit for it. I own no shares. I'd rather own McDonald's. But for those of you who want maybe a little more growth, that's the direction you might look at because they're appealing to the younger people where the growth dollars should be had. Staying with that same exact idea, something that I never thought I'd say in my life, there's now a vegan ETF, an exchange-traded fund that's geared towards vegans. I think that's pretty interesting. Um, Whether you go after the vegan lifestyle due to you don't want to kill animals or you go after the vegan lifestyle due to you may believe that helps the environment, climate. I'm not really sure. But I never, ever, never thought 20 years ago when I got into this industry that we'd be talking about millennials getting together and saying, let's support companies that support the vegan way. Stocks can't have animal testing or animal-derived products, fossil fuels, or any company with links to defense or evidence of human rights abuses. That all sounds great. Is that how you want to invest? Maybe. Because the ETF has had a 21.7% return on market price against the S&P 500 since inception early on in September – not early on, late in September 
of 2020. So those stocks are working well right now. And for those who want to play along at home and kind of figure this out on their own, it's a U.S. vegan climate exchange traded fund. Um, it's a theme investment, which I'm not completely sure is ideal for you. But you decide. Ticker symbol is V-E-G-N, V-E-G-N. And if nothing else, it could start off as a researching platform for you on companies you do want to support, maybe. Uh, Microsoft had an amazing 2020. It captured a lot of cloud business. I think Microsoft is one of my favorite stocks for 2021. It's sold work advice for taking action on any stocks ever mentioned on the show. I own shares of Microsoft. They dominated the market for personal computer software. I think we're poised to continue to work from home. Um, they're still smaller than their rival Amazon Web Services, but growing faster. Demand for Office 365 is at an all-time high for Word, Excel, and PowerPoint. Will the strength of 2020 be sustainable for 2021? No. But they also have the Xbox. They have other services that are doing quite well. They have an amazing CEO who seems to get the business model much better than Steve Ballmer did, who took over from Bill Gates. So I'm positive on 2021 for Microsoft. I see the trends continuing to stay there. What could kill the party of 2021? Vaccine distribution, having hurdles and demand issues. What else could hurt the stock market in 2021? More waves of COVID-19 and more lockdowns subsequently. Dollar depreciations on my screen as a, a flag to worry about. It could exasperate a rotation out of U.S. stocks, causing a sell-off in the U.S. equities that have largely been overweight, a classification during the crisis. A lot of people are like, well, U.S. stocks are better than other stocks because we have capitalism, we have a government that will build up. Like, it's been a place to hide for the world dollars. There's a risk that higher inflation in the U.S. might reduce the Federal Reserve's appetite to do more. So we're going to have to watch the dollar depreciation leading to inflation. Oil had a really strong second half rally, and that, that makes some people like me nervous. Because in the end, it does trickle into our life. So rising inflation, rising interest rates are something I'm going to be paying attention to in 2021 as potential negatives. Let me give you the list again, just in case you want to see where I'm at. In my thinking, vaccine distribution hurdles. We're now starting to talk about how to get it in people's hands faster because we wanted 20 million doses by the end of the year. We weren't close. Can we get to a million plus doses a day? That's one of our big goals. Until we get there, we're like, meh, that's not that impressive. Further waves of COVID-19. There's dueling and conflicting reports about a mutated version of we're not ready for it. And some people saying it's nothing but a thing. It's just more contagious. Dollar depreciation is going to be a big story in 2021 to watch. It would cause a de facto tightening of financial conditions in Europe at a time when they're running out of levers to stimulate their economy. It would risk higher inflation in the United States. Um... And it would promote a discussion about currency wars, 
which we haven't – they come and go. Rising inflation, rising interest rates would be market headwinds for the stock market. If the Georgia runoff flips the Senate blue, that would be considered a headwind for the overall stock market, but probably pretty good for solar stocks and wind power stocks, i.e. Uh, Elon Musk saying, look over here, look over here. U.S.-China relations, I want to see something normalize in 2021. And I'd kind of like to see a sideways year in some markets to cut down on the investor euphoria because ultimately that's not a good thing. You kind of want some humility there too. I'm Rob Black. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in. Rob Black and Your Money. Find me at robblackshow.com. That's robblackshow.com. Smaller metropolitan markets in real estate have always had a draw. I used to live in a small town. Think John Cougar, Mellon Camp, right? Um, little towns, little houses. You get the idea. I would refer to those markets like Indianapolis, Kansas City, Boise, Austin, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Memphis, Pittsburgh. Um, they're not the LA's, San Francisco's, the New York's, the Chicago's, the Washington D.C.'s, the Philadelphia's. They're not the big, 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 big cities. I call them mid-level markets. Now, again, cities that are satellite to them are t- small cities, right? What we're seeing in real estate will be taught in textbooks in years to come. Pandemic comes in 2020. If you go to work, you might die. You might sue the company if you die. Company says, let's send everyone home. Have them work from home, furlough who we have to furlough, fire who we have to fire. So there was a dynamic that started with, let's send people home. There's a big question on when the pandemic ends. If it does end, we're looking at spring, summer, fall of 2021. When do people go back to work? And there's a really interesting argument to be made that Detroit has benefited the most from what's happening in the pandemic and the people moving away from big cities. We've learned that we can work from home. Therefore you can work for Detroit and home could still be at the beach. You don't have to move to Detroit. Probably let's say for the sake of this argument, an unattractive city as far as what it offers versus say a city with a beach or a city with mountains. So Detroit's learning, Hey, we can get some pretty good talent. And we don't have to pay as much as we used to to get them into Detroit because you used to have to overpay people because the market wasn't very attractive. So it will be interesting to see how the pandemic in 2021, 2022 deals with recruiting of talent because you can actually get better talent at a lower price now across America versus the expensive real estate that is California. Home prices are rising across the nation is the point when I'm trying to push here. 
home supplies have historically risen most in large cities. Um, it's a little unfair when you walk into the world of which is better. Is it real estate versus stocks? And historically, stocks have thumped real estate. Real estate has the inherent advantage of people are using leverage. So that's where people get these eyeballs that are outsized gains. Leverage works both ways. People very rarely realize that until it's too late. But nationally, home prices are up a remarkable 8.4% in October. That's up from a 7% gain in September. So there's something here. Big cities like New York, Chicago, L.A. have typically had the jobs. Then there's secondary markets for jobs. Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Kansas City, Boise, Idaho, Austin, Memphis. They're seeing the strongest price gains right now because they're more so in the middle of the country. They're not the big cities where the jobs are or are they not. Um, some comedian said something like, oh, San Francisco, it's the, it's the greatest city that's the – no, it's the crappiest city of, of the ball. <laughs> it's, it had a thing pre-COVID. Let's see what it looks like after COVID, right? Uh, who wants to live in a high-priced apartment if their restaurants aren't there, right? If restaurants aren't open. So there have been historically more affordable markets, the mid-level. And again, think Pittsburgh, think Cleveland, think Cincinnati. And you can even think in sports, right? Sports analogy works here. Players want to play in L.A. Players want to play in Miami. Players want to play San Francisco. Players want to play in New York. Not always, but you get the idea, yeah. So when you hear that argument in sports, it's the same argument in real estate, the big cities versus the mid-tier cities. And yet it's the mid that's having the thumping of prices. They're, they're way out gaining. They're up over 10% versus the average 8.4%. So more affordable markets are becoming less affordable, though, as prices rise. And again, it'll create the situation of we hate you Californians. If you go to Portland, Oregon these days um, and you have a California license plate, they're not going to key your car, but they're not going to they're going to notice. And they're going to go, oh, hope you're not coming to look for our house. <laughs> right? Mortgage rates set more than a dozen record lows in 2020. That's helped the whole overall mortgage rate um, environment for providing cheap housing. It's helped in the face of the expensive housing, the lower financing of said housing. It looks like home prices continue their toward pace into 2021. Is that something I would panic over? No. Um, that's probably the number one email I get or the number one email I got in 2020 was I sold a house and now I want to use the proceeds to buy another one, but I'm waiting for the home prices to go down. And the assumption there is that due to the pandemic or due to the economy, economic recession, that home prices will go down. And I would just be cautious with that because to me, the lower mortgage rate for 30 years is more attractive of rock, scissors, paper than the price of the home. I look at it as maybe I won't pay off the home in my lifetime, but can I service the debt in my lifetime? That's more important to me than the price. 
800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Dow touches a record to start 2021, and then it falls 300 points. One of the things you're going to be hearing in financial media is how the first five days of January go. So goes the markets for the year. Again, I wish it were that easy. Will I pay attention to it? Yes. Will I go, wow, it was right again or wrong again if it fails this year? No. I. It's just part of the process of – it's almost like when you go to like a Catholic mass, you know, like, oh, is this the part where I kneel? Yeah, we look at the first five days of the stock market and we try to extrapolate that out in like learning the system and getting comfortable with it. But I don't want you to like put all of, how shall we say, your, your dinner money into it. Was 2020 the year that you learned to cook a little bit better? 2020 was the year that I cooked. I took my cooking game up a notch. Odd, right? Stocks pair of gains after touching fresh highs. I'm taking a look now. The Dow's down 300. The Nasdaq down 24. The SP 500 down 23. After opening a little bit better, is it profit taking from a strong November December? Is it? Uh, we don't really like the direction the country's going in with the Democrat president. Maybe Democrat Senate. If the Dem- Democrats do manage to flip both seats in Georgia, probably Wall Street in general wouldn't like that. Democrats are known for uh, tax the rich. Uh, whether that's right or wrong, I, I don't know. But Wall Street tends to go, we don't want money going into government's hands. We want money staying in the private citizens' hands because they'll spend it in a more business capitalist kind of way. Um, so this is going to be a big week. And maybe maybe Wall Street today is jittery because of that. Would I change the way I invest if the Senate goes completely Democrat? I would a little bit. Would I change it if it's gridlock? I would a little bit. Um, I like gridlock historically, but it's a weird thing to say out loud because we're not in a system where gridlock is appreciated right now. We're in the Republicans hate Democrats. It's like when I it's the old phrase that I said when I came to San Francisco twenty plus years ago. Um, they're like, you're from the East Coast, are you a Republican? I'm like, not really, just because I'm a, on TV and just because I I'm do finances don't lay pigeon me. Like, no, let's not go there. And I was quickly taught a lesson that in San Francisco, the city of San Francisco, there's liberals and there's Democrats. And there's no other – there's no – don't put your name on a ballot if you're a Republican in, in San Francisco. And I was like, is that a joke? Because I was like, really? And it kind of makes sense, but the Democrats don't like the liberals. It's wild how political factions kind of go against each other. Anyhow, and anyway, Google's up higher today. Not much else. <clears throat> Oil's lower. The Russell 2000 small cap index had a great year last year, lower. NASDAQ's down just fractions, having uh, better sway. Let's see, gold and silver higher. That makes total sense, right? A little bit of uh, let's sell stocks. Let's put money in something that is a hard asset versus a liquid asset. Uh, the 10-year Treasury, which is going to be 2021, a year that it has to deal with getting above one. It's 92 basis points right now. In my history, in my experience, Wall Street gets a little jittery with big numbers. So when it goes above one, we'll have a day on CNBC like, the 10-year Treasury closed above one today for the first time ever. And it'll be dramatic. Um 
and Wall Street will deal with it. But we'll get there. And again, I would like to see the 10-year Treasury at 2 2.5% in the next three years, but I don't know. Cheap money seems to be one of the panaceas for this market. Bitcoin's at 31860 Wow, that's all over the place. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money. Invested in find me online at Rob Black Show. Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Let me show you how 2020 is summed up in my life because I'm kind of a pessimist, all things considered, socially speaking. I'm a lone wolf, so it wasn't the worst year in the world for me. But someone saw me the other day and they go, wow, Rob, it looks like you've lost weight. I get, I go, yeah, good news, bad news. I've lost some weight, but it's been muscle because I'm not going to the gym. Is that not valid? Like, oh, I'm puffy or I'm pasty or I'm something. <clears throat> Oh, my, oh, my. The last three weeks of an administration will be dramatic, it appears. Will that hurt Wall Street in the long term? I don't think so. We've had contentious politics before. But is it something worth looking at? Sure. You're going to get a $600 stimulus check. Um, Spend it carefully. Some consumers may be shocked to receive Visa debit cards with stimulus cash in January. Don't throw the cards out. I'm not a big fan of Visa gift cards. I own shares of Visa, but not a big fan of Visa gift cards, except for maybe from a business perspective. I don't know. Um, Everything's plastic there now, right? A lot of states are getting new minimum wage as the year kicks off, which will be an interesting to watch how restaurants deal with it when they do reopen, when the pandemic starts to fleet. Um... In other years, where we're not surrounded by pandemic news, the restaurant industry's bitched and moaned, groaned and, 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 you know, oofed at having to pay higher labor costs. These were mostly all voted in and or phased in, so they're pretty well known. We have a new streaming service. Discovery Plus saw a commercial for it last night. Um, and it's only four ninety nine, and Netflix is pushing twenty bucks, but Disney Plus has a lot of room to raise prices in the coming years. Disney Plus, Hulu Plus, ESPN Plus, or a package of them, all owned by Disney. There's a lot of value right now <clears throat> compared to Netflix. Now Netflix has got the shows, where they've got the volume, 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 right? Where do I go with this? Um, if I were to be an investor, would I go after discovery? I think discovery could be acquired and it would make a lot of sense for someone like an Apple plus TV, Apple TV plus to go after them. It wouldn't cost Apple that much money. Now, when you look at the other services, Time Warner plus HBO max plus whatever you want to call it, Peacock plus is out there. (laughs) Don't you love the plus? Um, they're pretty robust services. I was playing around with them. The HBO Max is, they've got a lot of good content there. You know, they got the history of HBO. Plus, 
and they they seem to have better movies than Netflix. But they, again, 2021, the streaming services go on. And how do you want to be position yourself? Netflix is clearly going to run out of the ability to say 40 bucks a month or 50 bucks a month or 60 bucks. There, there will be a price pain point that people are no good with. The way Netflix will add on in the United States is probably go to 8K, probably go to 4K premium pricing versus, you know, 1080. You get the idea. But Discovery Channel is the Food Network. It's HGTV. It's Animal Planet. It's TLC. Nothing I really watch on any of those channels. But I get it. And again, I think they'll be a nice acquisition target, as will MGM in 2021. So 2021, man, how about investments like IMAX or AMC movie theaters? You got courage to go after that? Or do you think the shift that has happened in moving us to more rural areas, will the same shift happen in how you play your investments? Be careful. Dollar cost averaging is one of the greatest investment strategies of all time. That means you invest every two weeks every month, every quarter, every year, whatever it is. You don't look at 2020 and go, wow, that was a great year. You go, I'm just going to keep doing it. You don't have a crystal ball. I've already said that, you know, coming into 2020, we thought markets looked rich and overvalued. And then business went to hell in a handbasket and we drove stocks higher because of unprecedented level of stimulus from the federal government in two forms of monetary policy as well as fiscal policy. Um, so dollar cost averaging is something I don't talk much about. I'm going to be setting up a new podcast this year. It's going to be more about the strategy of picking stocks and asset allocation. Um, it's going to be more about the theories of what 20 year olds, 30 year olds, 40 year olds, 50 year olds should be looking at. It's going to be a little bit more about the investment steps, the financial steps that you have to take to hit financial security. And that's like knowing your insurance, knowing your investing, knowing your taxes, having questions about estate planning so that the government gets their fair share, but that your family gets their fair share as well. One of the funnier stories, uh, I, and I think this is probably of my generation, is I'm a Generation Xer, and throughout my 20s, I just wanted to prove myself, right? I had that fire, show dad he was wrong. And um, as I opened investment accounts, as I went from company to company and you know got a little bit older, opened up Roth here, opened up an IRA there, opened a 401k there, all my paperwork always had my girlfriend's names on it because I left my family. I didn't leave my family. It wasn't dramatic like that. But as I hit my 20s, I, I didn't really want to leave money to my brother. That didn't make sense anymore. I wanted to leave it to my loved one. So I left it to a lot of girlfriends. And had I died in my 30s or 40s, the shock of what people would have got for not knowing me anymore is pretty humorous. We're going to talk – there's going to be a new podcast probably in about two or three months. I need some feedback. Drop feedback to me, rob at robblackshow.com or rob at robblack.com. I'll still do the daily news. I'm going to do a little bit of writing, but i got to figure out something unique about that. Find me online at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black.